the time of heroes is over. Power born from rage. Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today, Melody Akles. Welcome, Melody. Hey, hey. Mo Walker. Welcome, Mo. Glad to be here, Luke. It's been a while since we podcasted, and that is primarily on me. Um, I have had some family issues um, going on that have basically taken place over the past eight weeks issue. And it has made it difficult for me to podcast. And so I'm glad that we're back. We're discussing Black Adam today. This is the movie that stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Aldous Hodge, Pierce Brosnan, Noah, I'm going to mispronounce this, Centineo, Sarah Shahi, and Quintessa Swindell. Mel, first quick impression of the movie overall. Honestly... I was a little surprised about how much I enjoyed it in the beginning. I was like, oh, okay, this is better than I thought we were going to go. I liked that they gave us exposition. In the end, it turned out to be too much, but I didn't mind that because I felt like if you didn't know anything about the comic, you could still come in and know what was going on. Um, I thought the action sequences were great. Um, I really enjoyed Dr. Fate, so um, it was really nice seeing... um, Hawkman as well. So, you know, these things were enjoyable. And then at some point, the movie just went off of the rails. But I will say, overall, it was better than I thought, but I I still have issues with it. Mo, what was your quick first impression? Yeah, overall, I felt it was very entertaining. It was what was on the 10. I mean, it's a Dwayne Johnson anti-hero movie and so my expectations were were met i think that uh for a lot of the jsa members who appeared the casting was was pretty spot on there were a couple surprise cameos that i really enjoyed as well but overall i thought it was a solid movie i did and i think mel probably is is well alluded to this is there, there were some problems with this movie it's certainly far from perfect but Again, I think that it's it's the movie that DC needs right now to, to kind of energize their brand. My quick take on it is this was infinitely more fun than the first Suicide Squad, better than the second Suicide Squad. I, I felt like this is the, the Justice Society is what I needed the JLA to be in terms of chemistry dynamics, I, maybe it's because of the fact that these aren't the big four, the big three um, trying to dominate and give equal airtime to them all. But I just felt like th- this group gelled better. It didn't feel so disconnected. And I would be total. I put this on the forum post on the Geek Confidential forum group. I would be totally okay with DC doing a soft reboot in which the Justice Society was the launch pad for the rebirth of the DCEU. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
for people who are not familiar with the character, um, he's connected to Shazam. Shazam did not appear in this film. Mo, what did you uh, give uh, listeners a little bit of background on Black Adam, the character, as we dive into the, before we dive into the movie? Well, uh, Black Adam uh, or uh, Teth Adam, as he is referred to um, in, in ancient times, he possessed the same powers that were bespo- uh, bespoed, uh, bestowed upon Billy Batson and his siblings in the Shazam movie. Now, um, Captain Adam, excuse me, Black Adam is considered the uh, failed champion of the wizard uh, Shazam. Again, in in this film, uh, Teth Adam, he gains his powers. They're transferred to him via his son, which is a bit different than what is in the comics, um, which I think makes for a much more compelling backstory, makes the character infinitely a bit more relatable, especially the anger that he has. Um, and so that I think that really works. Now, uh, tr- and, and one of the things I think that Dwayne Johnson did by really limiting the amount of crossover from the Shazam film, it allowed Black Adam to become his own character because up until, I would say, the mid-1990s in comics, Black Adam was purely considered a villain of Shazam slash Captain Marvel, the DC version, that is. And in the late 90s, I think in the Power of Shazam series and later on in Justice Society comic books written by Jeff Johns, he becomes more, he gets more of this anti-hero slant. And really, honestly, I, I think that it suits the character. It suits what The Rock is trying to portray. But, uh, but again, yeah, he is much more of an anti-hero. He is not a pure hero. He will rip someone in half, you know, if they cross him. And and I, I think that that appeals to a lot of people. One of my all-time favorite DC characters from, like, the cartoons, the comics, certainly not Legends of Tomorrow, was Hawkman. We got to see him played by Aldous Hodge, who I loved in Leverage for many seasons. What did you guys think of him as Hawkman, Mel? I didn't have an issue with him. Um, I thought he was strong. He's supposed to be, you know, the leader of our group. I thought he did a great job at that. Um, I always enjoy looking at him, so I don't have a problem with that. But I I thought he was good as, as Hawkman. Mo, what did you think? Uh, CBR went and wrote an article about how the Black Adam um, movie failed Hawkman. What did you think of this depiction? Well, you know, are they talking? Uh, and I'm I'm trying to remember. I don't know if I remember if I read that CBR article. I'm, I know that there was a CBR article, uh, and that's comic book resource article that talked about the helmet and the wings and his costumes and how folks feel like he failed. The, the film failed on that level. But I think in terms of a character, interestingly enough, this version of Hawkman feels like it has shades of uh, Mr. Terrific, who is another JSA character who was portrayed on Arrow for a number of years. It, it was Aldous Hodge's version of Hawkman 
of Hawkman just really was this this blend of Mr. Terrific and um, Hawkman. And and I wasn't really sure which version of Hawkman were we getting. And were we that getting... is what they are bringing up and why they say he was done a disservice. Um, because it says in, in Black Adam, Hawkman seems to give and take hits as if he's a superpowered being from another planet rather than a guy in an nth metal bird person outfit. Does this mean he's a Thangarian or is he like Batman, just a guy in a much better suit? If he's reincarnated, he doesn't seem to be pressed about searching for his soulmate in this life. In fact, beyond being a very wealthy and committed hero... Viewers know next to nothing about his origin or motivations. His character design is impressive, and he is especially uh, epically brought to life. Nevertheless, Black Adam failed at the introduction of Hawkman. They b- gave us almost nothing of his backstory. There are some clues in this. So his, what I'd like to call his museum, that St. Roach, uh, Louisiana Museum, that comes from the Jeff Johns written Hawkman series from it, it's at, at least it's almost 20 years old at this point. So they, they borrowed some elements of that. The Hawkman in there was the um, uh, Carter Hall who was reincarnated, who was an Egyptian who was reincarnated. Now with regarding the nth metal, what how nth metal has been depicted in comics in recent years is it bestows these additional powers to the Hawks. So um, healing abilities, um, maybe some enhanced strength, some enhanced durability. So to me, that explains why the uh, Hawkman is able to take those blows that would really tear someone else asunder that uh, Black Adam delivers, so I can I can understand it from 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 that perspective. I just like you said, it's you know, is he a Thanagarian? Is he a reincarnated Egyptian? I mean, these days with Hawkman in the comics, I mean, he's he's any and all. I mean, he's just constantly being reincarnated. So I, I would have liked a little bit more information there. Uh, a, a line of dialogue or two could have easily have given us some some much more needed information about the character. Pierce Brosnan played Dr. Fate, which I thought was a wonderful role for him. I thought that it, for me, I'm like, okay, this watching him is as fun as I remember Dr. Fate being when he would appear ever so often in the animated cartoons. Mel, what did you think of Pierce Brosnan? I thought he did a fabulous job. For me, he was probably my favorite character, superhero-wise, in the film because I thought he just took the role and really made it his own. He definitely was giving, you know, I've been here for a long time, the old school guy who has been around the block. Of course, you know, he can see the future. So I, I bought his version of Dr. Fate so well and... I was really impressed with him. I am always up for someone who can manipulate the future and the timeline. Mo, what did you think? So, Luke, I mean, you crossing the streams? Are are, are you um, 
trying to inject a little Doctor Who into this, um, <laughs> given the recent changes that that have occurred with with that franchise. We will have to discuss Doctor Who on a different Geek Confidential episode. <laughs> but you know, I I I I agree with Mel sentiments. Like easily um, of the JSA members, in my opinion, I thought uh, Pierce Brosnan's uh, Doctor Fate was the best character. And it he he's portraying the Kent Nelson version of Doctor Fate, and he alludes to you know Doctor Doctor Fate his version being like you know about a hundred at least a hundred years ago. I am curious, you know, and, and just me as a fan of the JSA franchise, where was his wife Enza? And because um, there are times when she is depicted as also. Um, combining with him to wield the powers of, of Dr. Fate. I thought the, the um, the costume changes for, um, <laughs> Pierce Brosnan's, uh, Dr. Fate were hilarious. I mean, he can he shows up at one point in a smoking jacket, basically on the ship, you know, he's just walking around. Like he's just, he's just lounging around, you know, in the midst of this, um, this big battle. And it, it's, it's hilarious. I, I, I would certainly enjoy maybe a prequel JSA film or HBO Max series that delves a little bit more into this version of of Dr. Fate and his relationship with Hawkman. Because, again, they hint at a very long past, which is why the reincarnation part sort of comes in if they had actually given us some hint of it in the film. Yeah, overall, I, I, I love Pierce Brosnan in this. What I loved about this film versus, say, JLA or Suicide Squad was the fact that we blended age demographics. I always enjoy a film uh, or a team dynamic where there's young people and older people. Um, and so the fact that we had Adam Smasher and Cyclone, I thought both of them were done really well. I thought that they both contributed uniquely um, to the dynamic and it was fun to see Pierce Brosnan sort of being like take it easy Hawkman and at the same time Hawkman is there trying to be a dad or an uncle or the person responsible I enjoyed those dynamics what did you guys think about how the young people gelled with the older characters on the team Mel I liked that they were still a team but I felt like everybody stayed in their own lane. Like no one was trying to really outshine anyone else. And the young ones knew that, okay, we're new at this. We still don't know everything. What do you mean? I need to jump out of this uh, ship right now. Like, you know, little moments like that to, to make us know, Oh, Hey, these are our greenhorns here. And, and the old heads were the old heads, but I did think they had a good uh, team chemistry within them. Mo, how did this chemistry play out for you versus some of the other DC um, team chemistries that we've seen? You know, I, I definitely want to see more of these two. It's interesting when you do do the comparison, you line up like your version of JSA that's in Stargirl, which interestingly enough in the comics, Adam Smasher is Adam Smasher, his, his is known as Nuclon in the comics before he became took on the Adam Smasher moniker. He was more affiliated with 
the the cast of characters that Courtney hangs out with in the Stargirl series, um, and then in the late '90s under Jeff Johns, he uh, you know, him and uh, another writer on the Stargirl series, uh, James Robinson, they um, kind of made the shift with with um, Nuclon becoming uh, Anna Smasher, um, but. So I'm, I'm, it's just, it's just, I'd like to see more of this particular dynamic between Cyclone and Atom Smasher before I think I can, um, before I can measure it up to what we've been getting in the Stargirl series. I'm, I guess I was thinking of it more along the lines of Doom Patrol, Teen Titans, the stuff that we've, I mean, seen on, like, even to a lesser extent, maybe Superman and Lois. Well, but again, again, in my mind, I'm go- again going back to comparing versions of the JSA. Okay, okay? And, see, I was just comparing thing. teams. Yeah, and, and so, so, so in my, yeah, but but I mean, again, I I think it's it's not necessarily a fair com- uh, comparison between what we've what you've seen maybe in Doom Patrol or uh, Superman and Lois just. Those those characters, the younger characters, they have more screen time for development. They were, you know, tertiary characters at best. I think they added a bit more color. I think that they showed that um, that the, the again. I think they talked about the importance of legacy, which is a huge part of the JSA. I I, I think they they helped round things out. Uh, particularly, they hinted at that relationship. Or potential um, friendship between Black Adam and Adam Smasher, which again comes from the comics. So there's a lot there for future films. I just, I just personally, for me, I find it hard to make a comparison to other depictions of DC team teams and teens from from other properties. So the premise of this film is that uh, the the nation of Kondok had a tyrannical king who was searching to create a crown that would allow him to control demons and basically take over the world. Back in 2600 BC, he the uh, the wizard that creates Shazam create um found a boy who stood up to the king, turned him into Shazam. That boy ends up dying, we later find out, gives the powers to his father, the rock his character. And so the rock in his grief, because the king kills his son basically takes on the king and the wizards, because black Adam is not using his powers for good, basically put him in a cell for eternity. And that cell is unlocked by uh, Sarah Shahi's character, Adriana Tamaz and uh, her, brother when they're going to look for the crown and get it moved because inter gang a group that's basically running the country uh, uh, a paramilitary group that's basically running the country is about to find it what did you think of the plot mo and what did you think of how Adriana, her boy Amon, and the brother Kareem as a family unit played out. I thought they were a lot of fun. I thought that Amon was very uh, engaging. And I, for me, it was one of those things where you know how in the last um, 
Doctor Strange movie, we got this character that we had had no introduction to in the past or in past movies. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this would be a great introduction for Amon if in a future movie he would end up with powers in some form and we would see him in another movie. Um, This country, Kandak, basically has been subjugated to various um, outside rulers for all this time. So we got an element of modern-day colonialism that took place in it. And it was pointed out by um, Adriana that the Justice Society didn't care about didn't care about this country and what Intergang was doing until Black Adam came back to free the people. There's a lot of so, uh, societal elements to this story as well as some great family dynamics what did you think of it mo wow luke i (laughs) know there's a lot to unpack there so let me take this from the top okay um so when you mentioned one of the things that people had problems with this film which i think is a nitpick is the notion of inner gang if you're familiar with inner gang you're going to hear that's going to be a buzzword come season three of Superman and Lois because they are coming to that show. Inner gang is typically associated with Superman, with the Superman mythos. Um, they they were in Smallville and so forth. They they are a gang of criminals who gets uh, equipment and so forth from Apocalypse, from Darkseid and his minions. Um, they're not typically associated with like some sort of world dom overt world dominating black ops thing. So, so I know that that's a nitpick that I've, I've heard. I, I was in a comic shop and people were bringing that up as a nitpick against this film. So I, so I want to touch upon that second in terms of the relationship between uh, the family, um, Adriana Aman and her, her brother. So interestingly enough, Luke, you mentioned you were, you mentioned um, her son, uh, Amon, getting powers. If you read this comic series from 2005, 2006, called 52, they're one of the main subplots in there is about Black Adam, Con, the Spring Condock, um, Adriana, who gets powers and becomes a character named Isis. Her brother is Amon in this. They, I can easily see the template for a, in a an additional film in which Adriana and Amon get powers and Black Adam forms his own Black Adam family, which has been in the comics. Now, the, the character of Adriana, going back, Luke, you, you brought it up, Legends of Tomorrow. Um... The uh, one the character um, with the with the wind. I'm forgetting about my Legends of Tomorrow characters uh, because it's been um, a such a while. long, long while. But um, Adriana in in the Black Adam film is a parallel for Zari, Zari from Legends of Tomorrow, whose origins as she was originally supposed to be depicted, was supposed to come from um, 52 and some other comics in, in, um, that, in which Black Adam appeared. But 
they couldn't call her by her superhero name, which is Isis, which for right for various reasons they gave her the new name Zari. But Adriana in this film and Zari are, are supposed to be interchangeable, interchangeable, or come from the same cloth. Okay. Um, so that that so you brought again you opened the door for legends. I just thought I just just throw that in there. So you know at least we'll make Dan happy because we 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 some we name checked Legends of Tomorrow. I know he'll be really happy when he hears this. Um, but again, the Rock is this is the genius of the Rock. He knows his source material. He has been you know on a crusade to bring this film to life for over ten years. It is clear as day he knows about these other stories, whether it's 52, whether this Black Adam miniseries from the the late 2000s, whether it's the Power of Shazam series from the 90s, any of the stuff in which Black Adam is is or depicted more as an anti-hero than a straight out villain that he was back in the 40s or the late 70s when that character reappeared in comics, um, he, he knows he, he can build something from this. Uh, and I, I think he has expertly laid the groundwork for it. Uh, Mel, um, what did you think of the family dynamics and what did you think of the societal subplots? Um, I loved that the brother was like, I'm, I die from electricity so he can take on the undead that he's about to destroy with a, a club. I thought that that was one of the more humorous moments in the film. What did you think? I thought the family dynamic was great. You have the mom, the son, and the brother, and you can tell at the end of the day they are going to ride for each other to the ends of the earth. So I love that part of it. I thought the kid, uh, the skateboarding kid, was so charming. Um, and I was definitely getting Terminator 2 vibes from the skateboarding kid and um, Black Adam when they were like, he was like, oh no, you need a catchphrase before you kill someone and no, you have to do this first and so on and so forth and I was just getting flashbacks of that movie and I was like, this is really like I said before, charming and it was a good way to lighten up a film that deals with so many societal issues of, you know, colonialism and um, the system always keeping you down no matter what and, and things like that. So I thought that was a good way to try and keep the film light. Um, but I did like that they didn't shy away from any of those issues. And they made sure to say in the film that that particular city had never been the same. You know, ever since they had been over all these different rulers and all the people wanted was their culture back. They just wanted to be free again so I like that that was a through line and they made sure to drive that point home and I think that's definitely smart on DC's part um, because they tend to deal with more uh, real issues and say it outright rather than beat around the bush so I thought that was definitely uh, a good thing it did make me wonder how the how well the international box office would do because I can see an, I can see a number of countries in the Middle East and or um, Southern Asia that might have a problem with this type of a film a- airing there, but then at the at the same time, I was like, "Who cares?" The point that this the the point that this movie is making is so important that if people aren't able to watch it 
like normally in theaters in those countries, more than likely it'd be smuggled in anyways. In the present in the plot, Black Adam is battling the descendant of the the tyrannical king from um, 2600 BC, who has basically gotten the crown and he is wanting to rule the world like his great-great forefather had. This brought about a lot of battles, a lot of CGI, a much of which was really well done. I thought the action sequences were done well done. I thought that the colors, even though many parts of the city were very drab, they were able to include elements like at the bazaar with the canopies and the various other things they were able to introduce elements that made it still very visually appealing i love the motorbikes that could leap through space um for short distances i thought that was fun mel as the movie grad school um graduate amongst us what did you think of the plot and the cgi and the cinematics Ooh, that's a lot, Luke. Um, okay. I am asking I, big, important <laughs> questions today. I will start with CGI, because I feel like that's the easiest. I did think I, the CGI in the film was good. Um, it There wasn't anything that just took me out of the moment, because sometimes when it's not so great, you're just like, I can't focus on this because it's awful. But no, I, I enjoyed the CGI. I love everything they did with Dr. Fate. I'm going to say that again. That was my favorite character, but everything they did with him, I thought was just phenomenal. I like the girl. I can't remember her name, but she does the cyclones. Um, her name I is thought, cyclone. Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, <laughs> cyclone. Uh, I loved her character, especially with the colors that are so vibrant. And then everything having to do with, um, black Adam and his powers. And I didn't have a problem with any of that. I thought all of that was well done. My issue comes with the plot. Because even as you were describing the plot, Luke, there were so many things that they went back and said, oh, well, actually, it happened this way. And actually, it happened this way, that it's hard to explain the story. I also had major, major issues with the part where um, after Black Adam is saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to give up. I'm going to surrender. Take me down to the abyss and whatever, and I'll never say Shazam again, and it'll be fine. And then, of course, you know, that's not what happens. We have to go back and we have to save him somehow. And now Dr. Fate communicates with him and tells him to wake up. And the guards magically cannot defeat Black Adam in his human form. And now he must swim to the top of the ocean and somehow save the day because he should Why didn't he say Shazam down below before he ran through the water is what I want to know. no sense. He should have been dead. He wasn't (laughs) Black Adam at that point. He was just regular old-ass Adam. So it didn't... I was like, he should have been dead. This is stupid. Like, I don't... It's absolutely ridiculous. So by that point in the film, I was like, here we go. Here we go. Mind you, now he has to go and he magically survives and says Shazam and now he must literally go fight the devil from hell. (laughs) Yeah. There's the point in the film where I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is absolutely ridiculous. So I feel like it's not much difference than say like Hellboy being a demon. I mean, he put on a crown, he turns into a demon. I, like, it, I f- felt like it was fairly logical by comic book standards. Mo, what did you think of the, the plot and CGI? 
Well, it makes sense that Black Adam would utilize Cyborg because he that is a classic Captain Marvel Shazam character. And if you are going to have Black, you're going to position Black Adam as a anti-hero or a quasi-hero, he needs a bigger threat to battle. And so going down the Rolodex of classic Shazam and, and Captain uh, Captain Marvel villains, it makes sense to pull in someone like Cyborg. So that that to me that that lines. And again, I agree with you. Part of what the plot falls down for me is when you when he's basically captured by the JSA and taken to one of Amanda Waller's black sites. And, and I can appreciate them bu- using Black Adam to build out uh, continuity between the various DC films and the Peacemaker show by utilizing characters from those properties. But again, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, he should have been able to say Shazam before he had to dramatically beat the guards, dive into the water. And maybe maybe they wanted to avoid a situation in which fans are left asking why didn't he free all the other people who were in there? Yeah, I guess. I mean, but but we really don't know who was out, who else was in there. I there mean, was a lot of people down there because apparently that's where Waller's been stashing everybody. Yeah, well, I we mean, don't we didn't see any of them, so there wouldn't yeah. be anybody for us to root for to yeah. say, "Oh, I hope he goes and and hurries up and frees the Joker real fast." You know, like something ridiculous, like. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I, I just, I don't know. I, that is part of where it falls down for me. I think I can understand in terms of Black Adam finally taking responsibility after he hurt Amon. And, you know, there's that parallel between Amon and his own son. And so in order to make him a much more sympathetic character, that makes that, that tracks and everything. It's just, to me, the logic falls down when you you when he just essentially gives up and he's just taken to this black site for for a bit it's just like you've got to get him out of conduct so um the, the, the transformation in the sabak happened it's just it, it was just <laughs> it was just like it was done for the sake of oh we've got to get the villain ready for the final the, mm-hmm. the big bad ready for the final act. Yeah. And what did you think of the fight scenes? I, I didn't have a problem with the CGI. Again, I, I love the, uh, the depiction of Cyclone's powers. I mean, it's wind-based powers, so they were trying to make them as visually appealing as, and pop as much as possible, which I think they, they did. I, I think that they, of course, borrowed, you know, that slow motion action shot that, we get in a lot of particularly those Zack Snyder DC films. But I think in this case, because there's the color, you know, things are a bit brighter and a bit poppier that to me, it works better and it's a bit more engaging. I think visually it's a, it's a, it's a solid looking film and it's actually kind of what I want visually out of my DC films. So what I find interesting about this is that 
when I left Aquaman, I left it thinking I had a ton of fun watching Aquaman, but it wasn't a great movie. I had a ton of fun watching Black Adam, and it was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie, but it was a good movie. It was a really solid, fun movie. And I keep going back to what I said at the beginning, which is like, I would love to see sort of the DCEU have a soft reboot with this type of a dynamic going forward. And the reason why I say that is because you look at you look at the Marvel Universe, there have been some movies that have been fantastic, and there have been some movies that have been average, but on the most part, all of them have been pretty solid. I feel like this is a movie that is pretty solid and can compete with those other movies in terms of being a solid, fun, at minimum, superhero show. It's not necessarily a cringeworthy one like some of the Suicide Squads. It's not an awkward one like the JLAs. It it doesn't feel like anybody had a stick up their ass, which is what, I mean, I love Henry Cavill, but him as Superman sometimes comes across as very stick up his ass. And there was none of that in this. Like everything, like this is the closest I've gotten to a team movie in the DCEU that made me feel good about the DCEU the way Wonder Woman as a standalone, the first Wonder Woman, let me clarify, be very specific, the first Wonder Woman did as a standalone movie. I enjoyed it from that standpoint. So, so, uh, so Luke, I, I, okay. So I'm, you're going to ride, you're going to be on that, um, ledge regarding, uh, the second Suicide Squad movie, because I thought that was a superior film to the first Suicide Squad movie. Well, it was superior, Uh, but it doesn't mean I enjoyed it. Well, okay. I certainly enjoyed the second Suicide Squad film and I thought it was a nice, appetizer they had the skeletor doctor who if we're coming back to all of that it had a skeleton the skeletor doctor who it had a the thinker who is actually a classic jsa villain but it had skeletor doctor it had a who. story that made sense it did it I, really did i'm just saying by comparison I, to the first one yes it did and, and Luke, were you, I mean, probably, Luke, probably your problems with Aquaman were probably like, he didn't talk to enough fish for you or have no, no, <laughs> like, uh, but the Aquaman movie, the Aquaman movie was visually stunning. It was a lot of fun because Jason Momoa is a lot of fun. But in like the, when he goes down into the depths, that visual of him going down in the depths, wonderful cinema, CGI and cinematography, but it wasn't. It did like the plot didn't pull me in the way the really good Marvel movies pull me in and make me care. It was fun, but it didn't make me care. I cared more about this group of characters and it was fun, if that makes sense. Like Aquaman was fun, but I didn't care. I care this was fun and I cared. Okay. I, I see where I see what you're saying. But in terms of your reboot, Luke, we're getting a reboot. You know? Yeah, that's, that's like very true. But the thing about it is, is the person who's rebooting it, the person who is taking over the DCEU is responsible for Guardians of the Galaxy. And that gives me amount immense amount of trust. Because I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Okay, let's go around the circle. Give our ratings and any final thoughts. Mel, what's your rating of 
out of five Shazam lightning bolts, how many uh, lightning bolts would you give it? For me, it's a solid three. Mo? Um, you know what? I'll go with a three and a half. I will give it four. Uh, was there anything that we didn't cover in the discussion, Mel, that you wanted to touch on that you thought that stood out for you? Um, are we going to talk about the post credit scene? I did not stick around for it, so I'm not aware of what it is. You can go ahead and talk about it. Wow, Luke. Scene, wow. Gosh, in the post credit scene. I don't Black- expect post credit scenes from DC movies. In the post credit scene, Black Adam is talking to Amanda Waller. They're having a discussion. She's saying, I need you to help me out, blah, blah, blah. And he's basically like, nah, sis, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to do my own thing, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it's okay. I'm going to come find you later. Don't worry about it. I'm going to have somebody else come find you. And then she goes away. And we see somebody walking up. We're not sure who it is. Comes into the light. And it is Superman as portrayed by Henry Cavill. And it ends right there. So we know they're going to, at some point... Black Adam and Superman are going to meet, maybe have movie story together. Who knows? We're not sure. Um, well, if, I believe The Rock wants it to be Black Adam versus Superman movie. I think that's he said that publicly. Oh. So that would be fun. As much as Henry has a stick up his ass as Superman, I would watch oh. Henry versus Black Adam. Oh, See, listen. Luke, you got folks gonna come for you okay, when listen. you when you talk about Kerry Cavill and Superman. They gonna come for you. Send your hate to Luke. Listen, Kirk. I have hate said that. I have said. Listen, I am a fan of him as an actor. I have watched him since he was on the Tudors. I like Henry Cavill. I just find his Superman to be like to cross this over with DC. He's basically Jason Morgan and the Borg. I mean, he did like there's oh, no. there's there's no, you no did not cross that man with Jason Morgan. I know you did. Yes, he's basically Jason he Morgan, not. like no, Jason Morgan not. emotions in a cape. No, he has more personality than Jason Morgan. Which Barely, not- his lip twitches. Oh. That's the difference. His lip really? twitches. You really, really, no. really. I Listen, I love him. Like in his other movie, he he did that other movie where it was what the 70s CIA spy thing I don't remember what it was called but it was opposite of him and Tom Cruise loved it I love Henry in a variety of other movies I just don't care for him as Superman um I don't have a problem with his Superman I didn't mind the post credit scene but I did notice that it looked like they finally fixed the Superman suit and I appreciated that but there we go Mo uh what are anything that you wanted to touch on final thought my final thought is, I want more Black Adam. I want more Henry Cavill as Superman. I think the problem with him is the writing, so I will I will leave it at, at that with regard to Henry Cavill. Well, considering what Warner is willing to allow um, and ter- put into movies, I mean, I think it's safe to say that Henry will be Superman for a while. And that's not any shade against Henry. I just think that they could have found someone better. Um, on that note, we'd encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mo is at DrMo77, and Mel is at Melody Eagles. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye.